drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. It is Wednesday, December the 22nd. Ooh, just a couple of days. Midnight Mass is going to be here before you know it. Praise be to God. We're going to have a great show for you today. The not-so-silent war between the Ukraine and Russia, and it would seem like the rest of the world, actually. Is there a world war on the brink here? We're going to have a conversation about that with John Hayward from Breitbart. He is their uh, national security deputy editor, and he is going to join us at 35 past the hour to talk about the buildup of the Russian military on the border of Ukraine, which, by the way, shots are being fired right now across that border. So we're going to have a conversation around that, what that means. There are some uh, in, lots of posturing, lots of incredible uh, machismo-like talk coming out of Russia right now over all of this. So we want to know what should we be concerned about. That's coming up at 35 past the hour. There are other stories that are of great concern. We will cover some of those in the 15 past segment, what would I call the uh, the what's concerning us. But of course, we're going to have breaking news and stories, gospel of the day, saint of the day. Plus today, we are going to give out the prize during the fear and trembling trivia game segment. So that comes up in the second ha- second hour. It's the first half of the second hour. And today we're going to do something special. We're going to draw it out early and give out that prize live on the radio. So if you would like to be a part of that, please join us in our second hour, which by the way, you can always do live on our on our mobile app. If you uh, download our mobile app on the Guadalupe Radio Network, you'll be able to listen live that way or just hang out with us on one of the live video feeds, which is everything is linked up over at GRN online.com forward slash cdt good morning to you rudy carlos good morning praise be to god it's good to see you you are we're down to the wire now i mean i'm very excited for you we're all looking forward to having you live in the studio um but uh, you've got a what is it two thousand mile journey to make uh it's actually a little bit under it's about 1500 miles oh then why are 21 we hours 1500 <laughs> miles uh do you like road trips by the way I love road trips. I, you know, I've, I've gone on a lot of road trips here in California, up and down, you know, all over been to Colorado. I love the, uh, the Southwest. It's my favorite area. For sure. Well, that's exciting. Well, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun seeing you live in the studio. Now I will, I will not be here for the, for today's my last day until 2022. So I'm looking forward to being off, but, uh, when I come back, you will be live in studio. So the very That's next right. time we're together, it's going to be live in the studio. I'm, can't <laughs> That's wait. So cool. Speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning, to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. In spite of it all. In spite of it all, it's all. It's praise be to God. It's still good to be here. Amen. I had a great day yesterday. I went uh, after the show. I went over to the convent with the Vietnamese sisters and spent oh, wow. a few hours there. I was meeting with my professor, my old professor. Uh, Sister Teresa Marie, and uh, we went for a walk and just chatted about theology and philosophy. It was great. It was good. Praise be to God. We even talked about Franciscans. What? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, mm-hmm. At a Dominican convent? Mm-hmm. We Are talked you about, allowed to do that? I we mean, talked that... about Maximin Colby mm-hmm. and about his mm-hmm. Mariology, okay. so okay. that's the only exception to the rule. <laughs> yeah, the okay. only exception is Colby. Mm-hmm. You, can't think of a, you can't think of any more. No one else. 
Franciscans besides not a single one. Mm. Well, actually, the the saint of the day is a, is a Franciscan. Uh, yeah. just saying, just... <laughs> did you choose to? I didn't. For the record, did not impose this upon it. It was it was forced upon me. I not true. I can't. I can't, couldn't help it. Hashtag fake news. It is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Praise be to God. Make Franciscans great again. I say, <laughs> and Dominicans too. Them too. Jesuits and. Passionist. Anyway, Everyone else. we're going to get distracted if we keep going down that road. Uh, it's going to be a fun show today, although we do have some uh, you know, more serious topics to cover this hour. Of course, uh, Rudy, anything in the news that was surprising to you? Yes, there's a very surprising story. I, I dare not tell you just yet, just in case you're not sitting down. So you'll have to tune in and uh, <laughs> wow, find out tease. what that breaking like news that. story is. Praise be to God. That's going to be great. Uh, I guess uh, some crazy news. $4.4 million from the Chinese Communist Party has been given to a radio station in D.C. So if you're listening on the mighty WMET 1160 AM this morning in Washington, D.C., uh, give God praise that we are not taking communist money. Praise be I was to God about to say, hey, uh, put us in contact. We could use a couple extra bucks. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Let's dive in. We have a great show lined up for you this morning. Let's get started by praying for your intentions, dear listener, especially during the, uh, the Christmas octave. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Rudy Carlos here. Let's dive right into your headlines this morning. Reuters reports U.S. approved sale of Javelin missiles to Lithuania as Russia tensions build. The U.S. State Department has approved the potential sale of Javelin anti-tank missiles to the government of Lithuania in a deal valued at up to $125 million, the Pentagon said on Tuesday. The sale comes as tensions are running high in, the, in Eastern Europe with Russia amassing troops along its border with the Ukraine. In October, the Biden administration sent javelins to Ukraine, the U.S. Embassy in Kiev said on Twitter. The Pentagon said that the proposed sale will help Lithuania build its long-term defense capacity to defend its sovereignty and territorial integrity in order to meet its national defense requirements. Despite the approval by the State Department, the, notif the notification does not indicate that a contract has been signed or that negotiations have concluded. Epic Times reports school board shenanigans inspire great, greater interest among parents to vote in midterm elections. According to Fair Vote, while about 60% of America's eligible voters cast ballots during the presidential elections, only about 40% vote during midterms, with 2020 and 2018 marking the highest presidential and midterm turnout in over a century. Think locally, act locally. Wall Street Journal reports student loan repayment moratorium could get another extension from Biden. The Biden administration is considering another extension to the moratorium on student loan payments first put in place at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. A spokesperson from for the Education Department said it would announce whether it plans to extend the pause later this week. The moratorium is currently scheduled to expire at the end of January. 
In a December 8th letter to President Biden, Senators Elizabeth Warren and Chuck Schumer and Presley, the usual suspects, said resuming collection of student debt would force 18 million families to pay up to 85 billion in the next year, and it would hold back the economic recovery at a time when the Omicron variant is surging. Federal loans make up to more than 90% of the outstanding student loan debt. And the Epic Times reports court fight in Michigan over dead people on voter lists heats up. And those are headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is, yes, a Franciscan. He is Blessed Jacopone de Tode. He was born in 1230, and his name was originally Giacomo, or James in English. And you'll find out why his name changed in a second. He was born a noble member of the Benedetti family in the northern Italian city of Todi. He became a successful lawyer and married a pious and generous lady named Vanna. His young wife took it upon herself to do penance for the worldly excesses of her husband. Hmm, seems like a good idea. One day, Vanna, at the insistence of Giacomo, attended a public tournament. She was sitting in the stands with the other noble ladies. When the stands collapsed, Vanna was killed. Her shooken husband was even more disturbed when he realized that the penitential girdle she wore was for his sinfulness. On the spot, he vowed to radically change his life. Giacomo divided his possessions among the poor and entered the secular Franciscan order, often dressed in a penitential rags, and he was mocked as a fool and called Giacopone, or Crazy Jim, by his former associates. The name became dear to him. Giacopone suddenly found himself a leader in a disturbing religious movement among the Franciscans, the spirituals, as they were called, wanting to return to the strict poverty of Francis. They had on their side two cardinals of the church, Pope and Pope Celestine V. These two cardinals, though, opposed Celestine's successor, Boniface VIII, at the age of 68. Giacopone was excommunicated and imprisoned. Although he acknowledged his mistakes, Giacopone was not absolved and released until Benedict XI became Pope five years later. He had accepted his imprisonment as penance, and he spent the final three years of his life more spiritual than ever, weeping because love is not loved. During this time, he wrote the famous Latin hymn, Stabat Mater. On Christmas Eve, 1306, Giacopone felt that his end was near. He was in a convent at the poor clerics with his friend, Blessed John of Laverna. Like Francis, Giacopone welcomed Sister Death with one of his favorite songs. It is said that he finished the song and died at the, as the priests intone the Gloria from Midnight Mass at Christmas. When the time of his death, Brother Giacopone had been venerated as a saint. He died on Christmas Day, 1306. Blessed Giacopone de Tode, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. Real quick, I want to just to mention uh, Bishop George Schultz passed away last night. Uh, he was the auxiliary in Houston, Texas. Please uh, keep his repose in your prayers. The hardest confession I'd ever had was with Bishop George Schultz. So please do me a favor and pray for his soul today. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 56. Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked upon his lowly servant. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. 
the Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm and has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary remained with Elizabeth about three months and then returned to her home. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Ambrose said, As evil came into the world by a woman, so also is good introduced by women. And so it seems not without meaning that both Elizabeth prophesies before John and Mary before the birth of the Lord, but it follows that as Mary was the greater person, so she uttered the fuller prophecy. Close quote, St. Ambrose. Pray for us. You know, uh, <laughs> we've talked about this a bunch of times. In fact, just recently I sent a, a blast from the past. I interviewed Dr. Taylor Marshall a few years ago, back in 2018, in fact, on the topic of Mary, Did You Know, that very song that I do not like at all. I know many of our listeners do like the song. However, I do not. And um, and here is one of the, here's one of the verses, right? Uh, or here's one of the things that I always bring up in talking about that song. Mary, did you know? Yes, of course. She says it right here, that God is, in fact, her Savior. And that's number one. Number two, how about her soul magnifies the Lord? How many people in sacred scripture have do you read, have you read about her, heard about her, or pondered upon that they say their soul magnifies the Lord? Okay, <laughs> she's the one. Her soul magnifies the Lord. Now, the Magnificat is imbued with the themes and imagery from the Old Testament. It closely resembles the song of Hannah and 1 Samuel 2. Now, yesterday I was talking about the parallels between 2 Samuel 6, 1 Kings, and Our Lady and uh, and this this narrative that we're going through in preparation for Christmas season. The very last verse in today's gospel, Mary remains with Elizabeth for three months, is also a nod to the Ark of the Covenant as per 2 Samuel 6. She is the Ark of the New Covenant, which is why we read in the Apocalypse, chapter 12, that there is a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. The very sentence before this one, the Ark can be seen in heaven. Ponder today this glorious mystery of the Mother of Christ. We'll talk more about that in the next hour. But stick around right after this break is What's Concerning Us. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time. I'll be right back. Howdy. This is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Whenever Christians judge some behavior to be immoral, we're often hit with Matthew 7, 1, where Jesus says, Judge not that you be not judged. But this is a misreading of the text because just a few verses later in verse 5, he gives us precise instruction on how to judge. He says, 
First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Jesus, therefore, is not saying that we can't judge a behavior to be immoral. His point is that we need to have a forgiving and merciful attitude toward others as God has toward us. And when we do judge a behavior to be wrong and encourage our brother to avoid it, we need to make sure that we're first a credible witness living an upright life. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. to God in all things. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, we're going to have a conversation about what's going on between Russia and the Ukraine and the rest of the world, by the way. There is tough talk. Tough talk coming out of Russia right now. In fact, uh, the words, uh, gun to the head of America, came out of an official of, of the Russian government just the other day. So we're going to have a conversation around that with uh, John Hayward from Breitbart coming up at 35 past the hour. But there are, as I say, several stories in the news that are of great concern to me. Uh, here's one out of Catholic Vote. Census Bureau announces lowest birth rate in U.S. history. The United States Census Bureau announced Tuesday that Americans, America's population increased at a slower rate in 2021 than any previous year since the founding of our nation, citing historical uh, decennial census and annual population estimates. The bureau reported that population grew only 0.1% in 2021. The year 2021 is the first time since 1937 that the U.S. population grew by fewer than 1 million people, featuring the lowest numeric growth since at least 1900, when the Census Bureau began annual population estimates. Apart from the last few years when population growth slowed to historically low levels, the slowest rate of growth in 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 the 20th century was from 1918 to 1919 amid the influenza pandemic and World War One. Quote, slower population growth has been a trend in the United States for several years. The result, decreasing fertility and net international migration combined with increasing mortality due to the aging population, unquote, the report explained. In other words, since the mid-2010s, births and net international migration have been declining. At the same time, deaths have been increasing. The collective impact of these trends in slower population growth. Um, you can, there's not much left, but you could read the rest of this over at Catholic Vote. Here's the point that I would have brought out of this is the reality is when we embrace the world, the flesh, and the devil, and we look at the world through the lens of the world, the flesh, and the devil, rather than through our Catholic faith, you're going to see things like this. This is a symptom of a greater problem. It's among many symptoms in our society that are of great concern. But the, but the reality is Catholics tend to contracept and abort at the same rates as the rest of society. So we are going to see this continue until we see uh, a resurgence of faith and a true evangelization and a catechesis of the lay faithful. We must reject these things, these grave moral concerns and these evils in society to include uh, wanting a nice house, two great cars, vacations, and all the rest, the toys and everything else, uh, in exchange for having children. 
the birth rate is so low that we cannot maintain our own culture. Italy is basically lost. I was watching a documentary the other day of a uh, a priest who has obtained permission from his bishop to become a hermit for, I don't know, three to five years or so, and he found uh, a, a series, a whole bunch of abandoned properties in the Italian Alps. Nobody wants to live there anymore. They're just rotting away, and he was able to get them for very cheap money and build a hermitage up on this mountain, and it's a perfect use for his case. But he's only emphasizing the fact, and he even says this in this little documentary, that the Italians just aren't having children. And so their their future, their culture, their people is basically going to come to an end. Who will inherit the land? Well, in this case, it's mostly Muslims. But the point is... We are embracing the world from the world's perspective rather than embracing the world for the point of evangelization and catechesis and conversion of souls, and we must change that in the coming days. There was a, a, uh, a news, um, or rather a video out that came out yesterday, and I want Adrian to cue that up for me. Uh, the, the headline on the video, the title of the video was Te- uh, Senator Ted Cruz torches United Airlines CEO while he sits in shameful silence. Do we have that queued up, Adrian? Well, I will tell you, I spoke this morning to the airline employees for Health Freedom that said they had over 2,000 United employees who had been placed on unpaid leave because they sought exemptions from the vaccine mandate. They said that, said that included 331 pilots. I will also note that I have been literally inundated with United employees complaining about United's callous disregard for the rights of the, of the pilots. One of the messages was from a pilot who flew for United for more than two decades, who applied for and received an exemption from your vaccine mandate on religious grounds, and who was subsequently placed on leave with no pay and no benefits, including no medical insurance. Now his wife, who relies on her husband's insurance, has had to postpone a necessary surgery with no idea when she'll be able to reschedule because she she has no idea when her husband will be able to fly again. And you're simultaneously enforcing a non-compete so this pilot can't even go work for your competitors. Another message I received from another pilot, a constituent self-described proud Texan, flew for the Air Force for almost three decades, including missions in Asia now founds himself on indefinite unpaid leave with a denial of all benefits to include medical, dental, vision, insurance, disability, travel privileges, crew member access to jump seats, denied access to his retirement savings. This morning, I spoke with a... All right, that is just a short clip of this in exchange between Senator Ted Cruz and the CEO of United Airlines. And here's why this is concerning to me. I have been a customer of United Airlines now for years. In fact, it's my, it has been my preferred carrier of choice. I, I live very close to one of the United hubs. I have uh, enjoyed my time flying on United airplanes for, for many years now. I have a credit card associated with United, my premier account so that I can get extra benefits. Um, but that's going to come to an end. I'd rather drive further and fly with their competitor than to continue to give them my money. I'm not asking you to do the same thing. I'm just telling you what I'm about to do. And the reason why this bugs me is because the second example Senator Ted Cruz gave today is somebody in our Catholic homeschool family, somebody who has given their life and service to our country and to United Airlines for decades. And now they not only don't have a paycheck, they're not even allowed access to their retirement funds, thanks to the United CEO. The solution can't be worse than the problem. 
What kind of vitriolic, crazy punishment are they uh, wanting to inflict upon their employees who just refuse to go along to get along? Senator Ted Cruz in this exchange points out that his own competitors are not acting this way. Pointing out Delta, Southwest, and some of these other airlines are simply not going to the extremes that United is currently going to. And many of the employees at United are uh, under a, a grave concern, not only for their future, but even among those who are vaccinated, feel like the draconian, heavy-handed uh, approach is is just a bridge too far. And I personally have decided that in 2022, I'm not going to be flying with him anymore. Now, arguably, I don't fly all that often. I certainly don't fly as much as Senator Ted Cruz does. Um, but at the same time, when I do, I'm just going to give my money to somebody else. It's just that time. It's just that that point in society where we have to stop supporting these organizations that are going to be doing these kind of crazy ideas. I mean, the fact that you're going to deny your employee their retirement benefits, I mean, it's bad enough that you took their paycheck away, their livelihood away after many, many years of service. And now you're also going to deny them their retirement benefits. Really? I mean, I hope that gets reversed. I hope that turns out to be not quite as accurate. I hope there's some something here that says, no, that's not the way it went down. I hope that's the case, because if it's not and that's true, what he just said, that is absolutely shameful. Absolutely shameful that you'd be so vitriolic that you want to not only prevent them from working for you, but you want to destroy them at the same time. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. Uh, Let me turn to another story here. And please do me a favor and pray for those families. This is a family we know. We know uh, right here in our own backyard who are suffering through this. Here's another story I saw this morning in the Washington Examiner. Nearly $100 billion in pandemic relief funds stolen according to the Secret Service. $100 billion of your hard-earned blood, sweat, and tear tax dollars given over to the federal government uh, have been stolen, according to the Secret Service. This article reads, the Secret Service is looking to hunt down criminals who it said are responsible for the theft of nearly $100 billion in COVID-19 relief funds. The agency, which is best known for its protecting political leaders, but is also tasked with investigating financial crimes involving fraud, said on Tuesday's news release that it is appointing assistant special agent in charge Roy Dotson to oversee the recovery of funds lost to fraud. While fraud related to personal protective equipment was the highest concern early in the pandemic, federal funding as part of the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act, or the CARES Act, has more recently attracted the attention of criminals. The Secret Service estimates almost $100 billion has been stolen through the use of fraudulent COVID-19 relief applications. Some $2.3 billion in fraudulently obtained funds have already been recovered as a result of investigations into unemployment insurance and small business administration loan fraud, the Secret Service said. The, those investigations have led to the arrest of almost 100 people suspected of defrauding the government. Isn't this something? I mean, think about the moral compass. There's always been crime going all the way back to the Garden of Eden. That's true. Concupiscent natures are a a fact of our existence while sojourning on this planet. That's true. But it it never ceases to amaze me. I guess I'm always just surprised by the level of depravity in our world today. 
and around us all the time, that there is a, a pandemic a coupled with all of the shenanigans that have gone along with that. And we're going to see our neighbors uh, eager to steal these these funds as if they didn't uh, don't have an impact on the rest of America. Inflation is an all time record high since the 80s. Gas, food and other problems are are causing serious concern for the average family in America. And uh, we're seeing a one hundred billion dollar fraud of our hard earned money go to waste. Poof. See you later. Goodbye. Hey, speaking of which, uh, Joe Biden said last night, unvaccinated cannot celebrate holidays safely, putting other people at risk. Uh, I don't know if you caught, did you catch this uh, press conference he did, the speech and press conference he did last night uh, from the White House? Uh, golly gee whiz. I mean, he even he even goes off on all of us who might complain about the draconian approach to the whole system. Right now, New York, Boston, uh, California, Chicago, they're all going into more severe restrictions and lockdowns. Omicron is is on the rise and yet still remains, as far as I can tell, and the data still remains very mild. Um, seven people, the last report, and they couldn't even confirm that those seven people that died in the UK died because of Omicron, but rather had Omicron. So... The cases remain still mild, and yet the reaction is disproportionate to that. And I go back to the same thought and the same sentiment. The solution cannot be worse than the problem. And President Joe Biden acknowledges that we do not like this. And he says this, but he does this for our safety. He does this for our benefit, he says. It seems not just myopic, but tone deaf. The people are speaking and the world's governments aren't listening. Can that lead to anything good? I doubt it. At any rate, those are your What's Concerning Us segments for today. We're going to go to a break. We're going to come back. Rudy Carlos is coming up with breaking news and stories. And then uh, we're going to talk with John Hayward from Breitbart about the Ukraine-Russia situation. Don't go anywhere. Gabby Drive Down. I'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. Since we are all children, we all associate Christmas with Christmas presents. G.K. Chesterton says that everything looks better when it's a gift. A gift is something we don't deserve. If we deserved it, it would not be a gift. And that's why the only possible response to a gift is gratitude. And that is why we hear in the Mass, as we will hear at Christ's Mass... We do well always and everywhere to give you thanks. Everything we have is a gift. And that is why Chesterton says, thanks is the highest form of thought. That's why the word Eucharist means thanksgiving. The best kind of giving, says Chesterton, is thanksgiving. Want more than a minute? Visit us at chesterton.org. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. 
Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Rudy Carlos here. Let's dive right into your headline news this morning. The Hill reports prominent Mormon billionaire leaves church over LGBT rights and other social issues. A Utah billionaire who was a prominent member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints rebuked the church on Monday over its stance on LGBTQ rights and other social issues, the Associated Press reports. While most members are good people trying to do right, I believe the church is actively and currently doing harm in the world, Jeff Green wrote in a Monday letter to Russell Nelson, the church's president. Green, the CEO of chairman, the CEO and chairman of the Trade Desk, is believed to be one of the wealthiest people from Utah, making his exit from the Mormon church especially notable. Green noted that he has not been an active member of the church for more than 10 years. However, he wants to erase his membership from the church records and make it an official declaration against the church of against the faith. One American News reports Harvard professor convicted by U.S. jury of lying about China ties. A Harvard professor was convicted on Tuesday of U.S. charges that he lied about his ties to a China-run recruitment program in a closely watched case stemming from a crackdown on Chinese influence within research in the U.S. A federal jury in Boston found Charles Lieber, a renowned nanoscientist and former chairman of Harvard's chemistry department, guilty of making false claims against uh, statements to authorities, filing false tax returns, and failing to report a Chinese bank account. Prosecutors alleged that Lieber, in his quest for a Nobel Prize in 2011, agreed to become a strategic scientist at the Wuhan University of Technology in China, and through it participated in a Chinese recruitment drive called the Thousand Talents Program. And the Blaze reports New York Governor flip-flops once again on her mask mandate. On Friday, December 10th, the governor declared that she was imposing new mask requirements for all New Yorkers. On the day the new order was to go into effect, Hochul backtracked after the leadership after the leadership in a majority of New York's counties told the governor to pound sand and indicated they would not be enforcing her order. The governor announced that the state would leave it to individual counties to enforce the mandate. A week after ca- uh, caving to county leaders, Hochul again reversed course and on Monday said she would have state inspectors conduct spot checks to enforce her order. The New York Post reported she claimed she wasn't targeting the rebellious counties, but instead was just lending resources where it was needed. Hotchell also said she will be making $65 million available to counties to help enforce the new mask protocols, including for finding creative ways for enforcement. Hours later, Hotchell's office scrambled to backtrack on her spot check threats. The Rochester Democrat and Chronicle reported the state won't be conducting spot checks that will be up to local officials. Of course, that could change again tomorrow. And are you sitting down for this story? Because this this one is a juicy. I, I, I sort of teased you in the beginning of the segment here. This is, I hope you're sitting down. Epic Times reports, candy canes now running out of stock in shortage this Christmas season. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. Oh, the scandal, the tragedy. Why wasn't that in the What's Concerning Us section? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> praise be to God. Thanks for keeping us up to date, Rudy. Joining us right now via Zoom chat is John Hayward. He is the uh, Breitbart News uh, National Security Deputy Editor. And uh, he joins us now to discuss what's going on between Russia, the Ukraine, and the rest of the world. Good morning to you, Mr. Hayward. 
Good morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah, praise be to God. Thank you for your time. Um, there is uh, very interesting stories coming out over the Ukraine-Russia situation. But one of the uh, points that I feel is this is an issue that's not been reported enough. Uh, I was watching a document or some videos over on Coffee and Die. Is it Coffee? I can't remember the YouTube channel, but they were showing uh, how urgent the situation really has been for a long time now. The average, you know, uh, homemaking mom is out there trying to learn how to shoot her AK-47 to defend Ukraine against Russia. They're so concerned. Shots are being fired right now. Drones are actually killing people uh, in Ukraine right now. So it is a very concerning story. Tell us what we probably don't know about this story, Mr. John Hayward. Well, Ukraine has an eastern region called Donbass, and in that area live a great number of ethnic Russians. And after the Ukrainians broke away from the Soviet Union, that area became increasingly restless and in recent years has erupted into open rebellion. There's a Russian separatist group in Donbass that's been fighting against the Ukrainian government in a very bitter, violent, quite savage military conflict. It doesn't make a lot of headlines in the Western world, but there have been a lot of casualties, a great deal of human suffering. Uh, the United Nations says that area is a humanitarian sort of disaster area. And it became very famous a few years ago when an airliner was shot down while flying near that region by a missile that was launched from the Russian separatists. They, the Russians and the separatists shot it down. Russia supports the separatists and in recent days has been massing a huge number of troops on the Ukrainian border. They're up to about 120,000 soldiers or so just piled up on the border, threatening rather menacingly that they might invade to protect the ethnic Russians that live in Donbass or to end what they call a genocide. Russian President Vladimir Putin has called the Ukrainian government's struggle against the separatists a genocide. And when you call something a genocide, sort of implies that you might be willing to do something about it. So people are looking at what Russia is doing and listening to Putin and Russian officials' rhetoric and trying to guess, is he ready to move in or is this all a bluff? Is he just stacking up soldiers, pointing guns, making threatening comments about moving missiles into position just to get something else, uh, most likely a security guarantee from NATO that they would not allow Ukraine to be a member or move more forces into the Ukrainian region? Region. If he's willing to be satisfied with that, then this is all a bluff. But if Putin is not willing to be satisfied with that, we could be looking at a shooting war. And Ukrainian intelligence thinks that could begin as early as next month. I, it was clear to me from the journalist interviewing those uh, Ukrainians on the border there, they feel this is Russia, not separatists. And they feel that th their lives, their very lives are at stake here. And they are very concerned thinking Russia is coming across that border uh, in in mass, you have an article out on Breitbart uh, back on the 13th of this month, and uh, the the headline went: Vladimir Putin calls out, or Vladimir Putin calls Soviet collapse a tragedy, violation of Russian sovereignty. And uh, I like the line about uh, waxing nostalgic. That is kind of a scary thing to hear, uh, Vladimir Putin waxing nostalgic about the Soviet Empire. Um, that wasn't a good thing, right? The Soviet Empire was generally a, we consider a bad thing. Well, no, the rest of the world doesn't like it very much, but Putin has lately been pushing the idea that the Soviet Union was a good thing and that its collapse was a disaster for Russia, for the region, for the people that live in the former Soviet satellite states. He thinks it was also a crime. Uh, there is a party in the Russian parliament that's allied to or controlled by Putin's party, and they just introduced a resolution that not only says the collapse of the Soviet Union was a historical catastrophe, but that also it was a crime perpetrated 
investigated by Russian officials, Ukrainian officials, and Belarusian officials back in 1991 that they illegally dissolved the Soviet Union. And when you see that kind of statement being made, that nostalgia, that kind of aggressive romance of a bygone era, you can't help but wonder if Putin's thinking about putting the band back together, <laughs> which means he'd be invading these Soviet republics and reclaiming them in full or in part. There is one theory of his strategy that says he might settle for taking Donbass, all or in part, away from Ukraine, either literally annexing it like Crimea or moving Russian troops in there as peacekeepers and effectively controlling it, and that that might be his near-term objective. But if he does that, if the world lets him do that, then why would he stop there? Why wouldn't he keep going? Why wouldn't he take the rest of Ukraine and put the magnificent Soviet empire back together? He can have Belarus pretty much anytime he wants it. The dictator in Belarus is a monster, Alexander Lushenko, who's very pro-Russia, very pro-Putin. They're pretty much ready to rejoin at any moment, you know, the, if the Soviet empire gets going again. So he's partway to getting this done. And if he keeps going and putting the rest of the Soviet republics together in the years to come, that is going to be a major security threat to Europe, to NATO, and to the United States. So this could be a very important harbinger of things to come. As Ukraine plays out, it will tell us a lot about Putin's regional strategy for the next 10 years. So uh, there was a statement that came out, I guess, on Monday. This was reported on express.co.uk. It says on Monday, Dmitry Kislyov, hopefully I don't know how to say that correctly, uh, a Russian media mogul threatened to, quote, put a gun to America's head, unquote, if NATO forces are stationed in Ukraine and warned the alliance to back off. Otherwise, everyone will be turned into radioactive ash, unquote. That is some really incredible communist CCP China type of language coming out of, of Russia. Is there been an uptick in this sort of uh, bravado? Oh, yes, absolutely, especially since the Biden administration, since the disaster in Afghanistan, the bad guys are increasingly brash and belligerent. They score a lot of points by talking tough about defeating the United States, about mocking our military as now being hollow and inept and our leadership is lacking resolve. China talks that way constantly about Taiwan. And now you have a lot of Russian officials talking that way about Ukraine, saying if we move on Ukraine and the U.S. tries to intervene, well, haha, it'll be a disaster. It'll be just like Afghanistan will destroy you you wouldn't dare. It's a lot of belligerence. You can hope that some of that belligerence is meant for domestic consumption and that people like Kislyev or these other Russian officials are talking to boost their public morale to get the public riled up, a little smack talk like before a basketball game. You can hope, but you have to wonder. They're being so determined to rile up the Russian people and prepare them for an invasion. How could they not do it after all of this rah-rah rhetoric that they're getting ready to move in? Now, Putin himself, the Russian president, he he today threatened a military technical response, as, as he put it, against NATO if it continues to be aggressive in Eastern Europe. And he thinks aggression means NATO is there, it's helping the satellite states, it's putting troops in position, it's trying to help Ukraine. Well, the way Putin tells the story, NATO is aggressively moving against Russia, boxing it into a corner, and Russia has no choice but to respond, to move in, take Ukraine, whatever it has to do to protect itself. And Putin's military technical response threat makes you think he has a lot of hacking in mind. Cyber warfare, attacks on Ukraine's industrial grid, maybe attacks on U.S. interests in cyberspace. And there is a lot of cybersecurity people on high alert right now. American and British experts have been sent to Ukraine. Hold, to hold that thought. So, sorry, Mr. Hayward, I got to put you on break. We're going to go to a very quick break. We're going to come right back with our conversation with John Hayward from Breitbart over Ukraine. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. 
This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, The Catholic Church is too condemning. It needs to practice more tolerance. G.K. Chesterton says, The other word for tolerance is indifference, and the other word for indifference is apathy. The Catholic Church cannot afford to be apathetic. It cannot afford to be tolerant of evil. It has to be consistent in opposing what is wrong and defending what is right. And the Church especially cannot afford to tolerate social evils that are condoned by the state. Why? Because sooner or later, it'll be turned against the Church. History has shown this to be true more than once. Chesterton says there have been times in history when the church has been wedded to the world, but it has always been widowed by the world. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Gloryandshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Gloryandshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Gloryandshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Gloryandshine.com. Thank you again. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. John Hayward is our guest. He is the Breitbart News National Security Deputy Editor. We're talking about uh, the Ukraine. He has an article out on Breitbart from back on the 13th. Vladimir Putin calls Soviet collapse a tragedy violation of Russian sovereignty, which is uh, a very concerning statement from from my perspective, and I'm sure to many others. But right now, over 100,000 Russian troops are on that border, and things are heating up. And I know, Rudy, you were very concerned about the economic uh, impacts, uh, let alone the military ones worldwide. Yes, that's true. Mr. Hayward, I was wondering, um, you know, if you could inform us. Well, before I ask the question, you know, Joe and I have talked about this in the past, and we we really are unaware as to what is causing the situation here in Ukraine. You know, there seems to be a lot of stories around this, but um, I'm wondering what your take is on what the military and economic implications of the potential invasion of Ukraine are for the U.S. Well, the first thing, the most obvious thing that would happen is that Russia's gas pipelines to Europe could be imperiled. Russia sends a lot of gas to Europe. Rather foolishly, the U.S. government allowed Russia to corner the market on that by shutting down American oil production. So you could have a big hit to the European oil market. And as you know, these markets are connected. So if something like that happens, it would roil the world oil markets. Gas and fuel would get more expensive, which means everything would get more expensive. And right now, the world's economy is in a precarious position. That's not the kind of shock the world wants to absorb. And if it becomes a protracted conflict, then you have all the second order economic effects. Shipping would be interfered with, air travel, passenger travel would be interfered with. And if Putin is not making an idle boast with threatening a military technical response, then you could see Russia unleaking a massive hacking campaign against not only Ukraine, but its allies, the United States and NATO. And that would be another blow. We have seen some fairly steep uh, cyber hacking campaigns really aggressive over the past few years, but we haven't really seen an all-out cyber war yet. 
and that could be in the cards and we simply have never experienced it so we don't know what that would do we don't really know quite how vulnerable we are could russian hackers shut down u.s infrastructure interfere with our banking system disrupt our financial transactions and of course could they do all that to ukraine as well so there, there's a lot to concern yourself with in the economic fallout from a potential conflict like this i think part of the problem with this story has from a from our perspective of not really knowing what to believe and not to believe is how politicized the word Russia has become in the last four or five years, um, especially given the uh, the Trump administration, you know, being accused of Russian collusion turning out not to be the case. How much Russian interference was there in the elections? I mean, Russia, Russia, Russia. And and yet the Russia does seem to be an actual threat. Uh, how much is fact and fiction in the headlines from uh, from your perspective, John Hayward? I think that's a good point. There is a lot of domestic politicization over Russia and a lot of whiplash going on. It was less than 10 years ago that the Democrat Party mocked anyone who thought Russia was a threat. They literally laughed Mitt Romney off the stage. Barack Obama made stupid juvenile jokes about how the 80s called and it wants its foreign policy back when <laughs> Mitt Romney said Russia was a geopolitical threat. Yeah. And as we know, come 2016, we had the Russia collusion story, which we now know was a hoax concocted by the Clinton campaign. That became an obsession with the media. They ran with it 100%. And the Democratic Party's rhetoric shifted. And suddenly they were calling Russia the greatest menace the world had ever known. Russia was now enemy number one, never mind China. Russia, boy, that's what we have to be worried about. So here we're chugging into 2022 with a potential conflict brewing in Ukraine. And I think a lot of people in a politically polarized environment are not quite sure what they're supposed to think about Russia at this point. Are they a real threat? Are they a paper tiger? Does Putin talk a lot but not do anything? Now, the Analysts are looking for tea leaves and for signs like logistics and munitions as to whether Putin's army is really ready to march across the border. But for Americans in a politicized environment, arguing with each other, talking about what they think is going on, they're going to probably fall back to their priors about what they're supposed to think of the Russians at this point. And it's a confusing image that we have of them right now. I love how our, our government has given Russia a pass on its pipeline, but shuts ours down, too. I mean, that's fun, right? That was an incredible gift to President Putin. It's too bad he's being such a sourpuss these days because <laughs> Joe Biden handed him the keys to Europe for nothing. Nothing was demanded in return, no concessions. There, there was nothing. And that was not the first time that happened under Joe Biden. Early in his administration, he gave Russia an incredible gift on arms control and missiles. He just handed them everything they wanted on a plate. And the Russians were stunned. They had no idea he was going to do that and be that generous and ask for literally nothing in return. But as you can see, it didn't buy a lot of goodwill from them. They're still talking about us as an enemy to be destroyed. So giving them presents has not cheered them up for Christmas. There's also talk about uh, some new technology. Putin was touting its investment and uh, procurement of advanced military technology, which is presumably going to be used in Ukraine. Uh, hypersonic missiles, even chemical weapons are being discussed. Uh, what should we know about that? Hypersonic missiles are a big talking point with the military community right now. It's a missile that moves really, really fast, as the name would imply, and it flies at very low altitude. So it's very difficult to detect it or intercept it. And supposedly hypersonic missiles would be able to fly right through almost any missile defense system that we have right now. Russia claims it has very advanced hypersonic missiles. No one's really sure whether to believe them or not. You never know if they're faking or test footage or making outrageous claims, but they claim they have extremely advanced hypersonic weapons 
weapons. The United States does have hypersonic missiles already. China is working on it. Everybody thinks it's the game changer that makes all existing missile defense strategies obsolete, especially if you put a nuclear warhead on a hypersonic missile. Then you have a weapon that can reach its target in no time flat, that can't be intercepted, and you won't even really know where it's going until it gets there, which is kind of a nightmare scenario. I personally would be more concerned with drones. I think drones are the more realistic high-end threat that we're seeing. We know the Ukrainian government has drones. They've used them in Donbass. Obviously, Russia does. So if they fight each other, there's going to be a lot of drone-on-drone action. And that's never really happened before. We haven't had two powers with advanced militarized drone capabilities fighting. And the fear that you hear military analysts speaking of is hyperwar, the point at which the drones and the autonomous systems get out of control of the human commanders and start fighting each other so quickly and unpredictably that the human commanders can't de-escalate the situation. We might be seeing something like that in Ukraine if it turns into an all-out conflict combined with cyber warfare that could make the whole electronic side of this and the autonomous weapon side very confusing and dangerous. That was one of the issues that were uh, prominent in that uh, Coffee or Die uh, documentary uh, video that I was referring to earlier, is these soldiers on the border, they're talking about the use of drones. In fact, it is such a problem. Many uh, Ukrainians have been killed due to drones right now. They drop little bombs, or I guess. Uh, so it is a major issue happening right now. In fact, the, one of the other surprising things was, like I was saying earlier, just like uh, home homemaker moms and dads and just average citizens who are going through training right now just so they can try to defend themselves. They they really believe it would seem to me anyway, from all these thousands of miles uh, distant, they really believe they're about to face the might of the Russian army. So let's strategize this for a little war game this out for me. Uh, you talked earlier about the bluff. What do you think really are the probabilities of an actual uh, more serious armed conflict than what's happening currently right now on the border? And how does that drag the rest of the world into this conflict? Well, the most encouraging sign is that some analysts say there's no sign Russia has stockpiled logistics, munitions, and fuel for a massive invasion, which oh, makes them God. think this is a bluff. So we can hope that, that that's the case. I think the possibility, worst possibility, is an inadvertent escalation. Russia does something provocative. Maybe they move a little across the border just to flex their muscles. Somebody doesn't uh, follow orders, shots are fired, and the whole thing exchanges. It's a powder keg, so it could escalate very rapidly and suddenly out of control. I think the most likely outcome is Putin making security demands and some agreement being reached with him by NATO and the United States to at least give Russia what it needs to feel ostensibly secure. And that way, maybe Putin could walk away and say he won, satisfy his domestic constituency, boost his poll numbers, and get some kind of promise that NATO will not induct Ukraine as a member. But there are people in NATO that say, why should we let Russia tell us who we can induct as a member or not? And Ukrainians are very nervous. As you said, they really think this is a possibility. At the very least, they're conscripting all these people and showing their strength to reduce the odds that Putin picks a fight with them. So at the very least, they think it's time to rattle their sabers and bare their teeth. But it sure does look like they really believe the Russians are coming and they're getting ready for it. And we just saw that uh, phone conversation between uh, President Biden and Vladimir Putin. And right now, uh, Biden's poll numbers are at an all-time low. Uh, Very few people have confidence in his capabilities, uh, not just mentally, but in his capabilities to be strong against Putin. How does all of that play into this story as well? 
Well, inevitably, any foreign leader who's aggressive, like Putin or China, Xi Jinping, is going to look at the character and political strength of the American president when he makes his decision, when he tries to guess what America will do. And if you're looking at Joe Biden, you're not nervous about a strong response. You're looking at the Afghanistan disaster, his weak poll numbers, and you're thinking there's no way he's going to send American troops in force into this bloody conflict, especially if Russia envisions an attack that would be lightning war, like the Taliban running across Afghanistan and, you know, the Biden administration. <laughs> administration did nothing. They sat there with their yeah. jaws hanging open. If Russia can do that and fight all the way to Kiev in a couple of days or a week or something before the international community can respond, they have to like their chances of pulling that off without any significant response from the United States. So it's definitely a factor in their thinking. They do wonder what the U.S. administration will do. And when it's an administration like Biden's, there's every reason to think that there will be no strong response to an aggressive move. So where do we go from here? Um, we have uh, we're days away from the end of the year and an uncertain future in 2022. What do you think the next steps ought to be? Well, readiness is always important. The United States needs to demonstrate that it is ready, that it has capabilities. We try not to belligerently threaten people the way that Putin and Russia do, but we still want to let the world know we're there, we can intervene. We should probably hold more military exercises. We're doing that. We'll probably do it more in the in the early part of the year to show that we are everywhere and can be everywhere, that our alliances are solid, that we're tight with NATO, that their forces are capable and ready of responding. A lot of the way you avoid conflict is by making the aggressor think this will not be easy. You may think you can do this in a week. We're here to tell you that you're wrong, that the best thing you can do is demonstrate that you have not only capability, but also resolve. And then resolve is a more difficult thing to demonstrate. It's the thing authoritarian nations believe that we lack as a democracy, as a fractious democracy, as people with serious conflicts with each other. They think we lack the resolve to deal with a foreign threat. And it's very difficult to demonstrate the kind of resolve that would make them think twice about that. But we need to do everything we can to show that the U.S. military and its policy apparatus apparatus is ready to respond. All right, John Hayward, Breitbart News National Security Deputy Editor. Thank you for your time today. God love you. God bless you. And uh, if I don't see you, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you too. Thank you for having me. Praise be to God. Have a great day. That's going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Let's pray for the uh, peaceful resolution of the situation in Ukraine, especially for the Ukrainians. Good grief. Uh, but if you're able to join us in the next hour, we would love to have you. We're going to give out prizes today. So join us if you can. You can either do that on our mobile app or on our website if you wish, or across the Guadalupe Radio Network, too. Log on to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God love you and God bless you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Why do Protestants not believe John 6 when it says that Jesus' flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink? I don't know. In Matthew 26, Mark 14, and Luke 22, Jesus says of the bread, this is my body. He says of the wine, this is my blood. Not this is symbolic of or this represents. He says this is. 
In John 6, he repeats himself like he does nowhere else in Scripture to emphasize the fact that he expects us to eat his flesh and drink his blood and that his flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink. Anyone who says he is speaking symbolically and not literally simply is refusing to look at all the facts. Fact number one, the Jews took him literally. We see that in verse 52. Fact number two, his disciples took him literally. We see that in verse 60. Fact number three, the apostles took him literally. Verses 67 to 69. If everyone who heard him speak at the time took him literally, then my question is, why does anyone today, 2,000 years after the fact, take him symbolically? Also, in verse 51 of John 6, Jesus says that the bread which he will give for the life of the world is his flesh. When did he give his flesh for the life of the world? On the cross. Was that symbolic? If you think Jesus is speaking symbolically here when he says that we must eat his flesh and drink his blood, then you must also conclude that Jesus' death on the cross was only symbolic. It wasn't really Jesus hanging up there. It was symbolic flesh and symbolic blood. Jesus is clearly talking about the flesh that he gave for the life of the world. He did that on the cross. Those who believe he is talking symbolically here in John 6 have a real problem when it comes to John 6, verse 51. Did Jesus give us his real flesh and blood for the life of the world? Or was it only his symbolic flesh and blood? A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. It is... Wednesday, December the 22nd, you are just two days away. Are you going to Midnight Mass or Christmas Day? I'm curious. Uh, in the after show today, maybe you can tell us. It'll take a little straw poll. If I had to guess, though, if I had to guess, I feel like Johnny Carson. Where's my envelope? I need, like, the, the big... What was what what was what was it? Uh, and there's no there's no old people in the studio with me right Who's now. Who's Johnny so Carson? I'm going to be the only one to know the reference, but uh, you know what I'm talking about, dear listener. Remember how he used to hold the envelope up to his forehead and he'd be like, uh, "Yeah, two Boy Scouts and a dog," and then he'd rip it open. You know. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I'm guessing you're probably going to midnight mass, if I had to guess. Um, unless you have little children, and you're like, "No, Christmas morning." But now we're, we're finally able to go to Midnight Mass because our youngest is going to be six years old. Praise God. Uh, Rudy Carlos, good morning to you. Good morning. Do, I, I already think asked you, know, you I, I think. I sorry, think go I, ahead. What were you going to say, Joe? I asked you, I think, already what Mass you're going to. Right? Uh, no. Well, you did, actually. But you know what? I'm thinking my, my little four-year-old, or not four-year-old, she's not four yet. My four-month-old. She wakes up at midnight, so maybe I'll I'll take the family out to the midnight mass this time. I don't hey, know. Right. Be brave, be wild. <laughs> Go to midnight mass. I say, praise be to God. Speaking of brave and wild, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning, to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. It's good to be here. Praise be to God. You're definitely not a midnight master, I would guess. Absolutely not. You're no like a possibility. late morning Christmas day. I go to evening mass on Christmas day. <laughs> evening, right? What time is midnight mass again? <laughs> it's at midnight. Is it? 
Well, it isn't my church. At some churches, midnight mass is at eleven o'clock. Kind of, kind of weird, but okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, no, praise be to God. It's. Uh, I'm excited. I'm going to try to go to all three masses. So really. I'm go, mm-hmm. So I'm wow. going to go to midnight mass eight and then ten because I, I believe I could be wrong about this. I got to double check. I'm pretty sure Christmas is one of the few uh, holidays in which. There are different liturgies for every Mass in the day. Yes. So I'm going to try to go to all three of them. You get a, a trilogy of liturgies, a That's collection. Right. So collect them all. If I'm you going can. to collect them all. Amen. Uh, speaking Amen. of which, maybe we ought to take this opportunity to give you a friendly PSA reminder that you do have to go to Mass on Christmas and Sunday. Mm, so true. So true. Yeah, you do not get exempted for your Sunday Mass because you have to go to Mass the day before on Christmas. That's right. Uh, But think about it this way. You get to go to Mass two days in a row. Praise be to God. Yay and amen. Christmas is every time a Holy Mass is said. Praise be to Jesus. So enjoy that. Uh, All right, we just wrapped up a great conversation with John Hayward from Breitbart over the Ukrainian-Russian crazy story out there. Uh, It's one of those stories where you probably don't know what you ought to know. And so we were trying to provide an opportunity to really dive into some of the details of what's going on there and, and hope and pray that, that uh, Putin and Russia are just bluffing <laughs> right now and not actually wanting to drag the world into a war. That would be a good thing. But we'll, po- we'll post that at some point to our social media feeds, and you can find it linked up there. Um, hopefully you had an opportunity to check out the interview we did with Bishop Athanasius Schneider yesterday. That is available on our YouTube channel right now, and I will send that to the CDT Insider email list as well. So make sure you're on our email list. If you'd like that to come to your inbox, just go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to have a good news story for you. We're going to have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, plus our game show. And today is the day we're going to pull out the, the prize winner. So if you would like a chance, three chances to get in on the drawing, your last three are coming up at 15 past this hour. So stand by to make that phone call and uh, prayerfully, you can be the first caller and be our contestant when that opportunity comes. So otherwise, you go to our website and you can get the phone number there. You could call in early. It's possible. grnonline.com forward slash CDT. And while you're there, look around the homepage for the details on the Mercedes. Yes, some lucky Guadalupe Radio Network or Catholic Radio listener is going to be driving away in a brand new Mercedes come February. It could be you. The details are found on our website, grnonline.com. Let's pray. Let's dive in. Let's get started. There'll be an after show in the second half on the live video feed as well. So hang out with us if you can. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your good news with Rudy Carlos. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, Rudy Carlos here. And here's your good news story of the day. The Blaze reports 12 missionary captives staged daring escape from dangerous Haitian gang praised God for the amazing miracle. Last week, news spread rapidly about a group 
of Christian missionary captives in Haiti who had been miraculously freed from their gang member captors. But on Monday, news broke that the group of 12 had actually won their freedom by sieging a daring escape, silently evading guards and traveling under the cover of darkness through gang-controlled territory, relying on nothing but moonlight and persistent prayer. For two months, the Christian Aid Ministries missionaries had been held hostage by members of the 400 Mwazo Gang. Kidnapped while traveling home from Ganthier, Haiti, where they had been building an orphanage. But determined not to die in captivity, the group hatched a fearless escape plan. Over the time of their captivity, God gave various hostages a desire to attempt an escape, but it took them a while to all agree on when or how this should take place. To attempt such a thing would be dangerous. They sought God in prayer over and over again, seeking direction from him. A spokesman from the missions group, Weston Showalter, revealed during a press conference on Monday, according to the Christian Post. It took time in God's work, but after much discussion and prayer, they became solidly united and decided God was leading them this way, Showalter continued. The spokesman noted that the group, which included several children in addition to eight adults, waited for the exact right moment before launching their escape plan. On several occasions, they planned to escape, but they had decided if specific things didn't happen, or they would accept that as God's direction to wait. He continued, adding that twice when they planned to escape, God gave clear signs that this was not the right time. Finally, on the night of December 15th, the group decided it was time to go. When they sensed the timing was right, they found a way to open the door that was closed and blocked. They filed silently to the path they had chosen to follow and quickly left the place where they were held, despite the fact that numerous guards were close by, Showalter added. One of the hostages said, two hours were through fierce brambles. We were in gang territory the whole hike, Showalter noted. The moon provided light for their path. During times they weren't sure which way to go, they stopped and prayed asking God to show them. Eventually, the group encountered someone who helped them make a phone call. Hours later, they were on a U.S. Coast Guard flight to safety in Florida. The missionaries were not physically harmed during their captivity. The Associated Press reported their greatest difficulties came in the form of heat, mosquitoes, and contaminated water. Some developed sores and several battled illnesses, though upon escape, all were found in good health. Praise be to God, and that's good news. God love you. The same of the day is, you know, I regret to inform you, it is, in fact, a Franciscan. It is Blessed Giacopone de Todi. He was born in 1230. Giacomo, or James, which later you'll find out why he changed his name, was born to a noble member of the Benedetti family in the northern Italian city of Todi. He became a successful lawyer and married a pious, generous lady named Vanna. His young wife took it upon herself to do penance for the worldly excess of her husband. One day, Vana, at the ins insistence of Giacomo, attended a public tournament. She was sitting in the stands with the other noble ladies when the stands collapsed. Vanna was killed. Her shaken husband was even more disturbed when he realized that the penitential girdle she wore was for his sinfulness. On the spot, he vowed to radically change his life. Giacomo divided his possessions among the poor and entered the secular Franciscan order. Often dressed in penitential rags, he was mocked as a fool and called Giacopone, or Crazy Jim, by his former associates. The name became dear to him. Giacopone suddenly found himself a leader in a disturbing religious movement called, among the Franciscans called the Spirituals. He wanted to a return to the strict poverty of Francis. They had on their side two cardinals of the church and Pope Celestine V. 
These two cardinals, though, oppose Celestine's successor, Boniface VIII. And at the age of 68, Giacopone was excommunicated and imprisoned. Giacopone was not absolved and released until Benedict XI became Pope five years later. He had accepted his imprisonment as penance, and he spent the final three years of his life more spiritual than ever, weeping, quote, because love is not loved, end quote. During this time, he wrote the famous Latin hymn, the Stabat Mater. On Christmas Eve in 1306, Jacopone felt the end was near, and he was in the convent of the poor clares with his friend, Blessed John of Laverna. Like Francis, Jacopone welcomed Sister Death with one of his favorite songs, and it is said that he finished the song and died as the priest intoned the Gloria from the Midnight Mass at Christmas Day. From the time of his death, Brother Jacopone has been venerated as a saint. He died on Christmas Day, 1306. Blessed Jacopone de Todi, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. Another great Franciscan saint. I'm just saying. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 56. Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked upon his lowly servant. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm and has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary remained with Elizabeth about three months and then returned home. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, I just can't get enough of that verse. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. I mean, just the, to ponder the mystery of the mother of God is just, it's mind-blowing to me how great our God is, that he would give us not just himself dying on a cross, suffering for us, rising from the dead and ascending into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, but more than that, he's given us his own mother, a perfect mother. He's given us his uh, brothers and sisters and the saints to go before us, a, a great cloud of witnesses that surround us, as Hebrews 12 would say. It just is mind-blowing to me. Here's what St. Ambrose said. The soul of Mary, therefore, magnifies the Lord, and her spirit rejoiced in God, because with the soul and spirit devoted to the Father and the Son, she worships with a pious affection the one God from whom are all things. But let everyone have the, have the spirit of Mary so that he may rejoice in the Lord. If according to the flesh there is one mother of Christ, yet according to the faith, Christ is the fruit of all. For every soul receives the word of God if only he be unspotted and free from sin and preserves it with unsullied purity. Close quote, St. Ambrose. Pray for us. Adrian, you got about a minute and a half. What, what did you find? Yes. So real quickly, magnify the Lord. I love, I love, love, love the, Ma the Magnificat. Uh, she's, uh, Cornelius Lapide says, 
But man cannot magnify God in this way, for he cannot add anything to him, either great or small. So what is meant here? He said, the meaning of the Blessed Virgin's words, therefore, is thou, O Elizabeth, magnifies me and honoring me with the magnificent title of mother of God. But I magnify God who has made me great and given me so great a son who is God himself and has thought it fit to bring to pass in me the great mystery of the incarnate word. She goes on, uh, Cornice Lapide goes on and talks about how on earth can a person, uh, their soul itself, not their hands, not their speech, not their actions, but the very soul magnify God. Cornice Lapide says, because she alone had her soul in her own power and was mistress over it. What does he mean by this? He means because we, we are sinners. And and whenever you're sinning, as St. Thomas Aquinas says, you are enslaved to sin. And just as a heroin addict is enslaved to his drugs, so too we are enslaved to our sin. But Our Lady had complete dominion over all her soul's affections and passions. And we do not possess our souls because because we ourselves are possessed by anger, pride, concupiscence, and other passions. But Our Lady had complete control and was able to give of her soul and direct it to God in a most perfect and loving affections that it only does good for God and only shows forth and brings and draws people to her son. All right. Praise be to God. Great uh, reflection. And I want to thank verboom.com forward slash GRN for being a generous sponsor of our gospel reflection, giving us the tools to connect the dots super quickly. Verboom with the V, verboom.com forward slash GRN. It is time to go to break and play our game show, Fear and Trembling. And today we give out the prizes. So if you would like to possibly win, you need to call right now. 877-757-9424. Call now, 877-757-9424. That phone number is open and available to you, 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. Call now. We'll be right back. Fear and Trembling is up next. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin because James says whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2, 10 through 11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2, 10 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system, 
We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show where we have a secret and hidden agenda, but uh, what we need most right now, more than me telling you all of my secrets and agendas, is to uh, have a phone call uh, light up so that we can play our game. We need a contestant. The phone lines are wide open, so if you would like to play, and let me tell you, it is all easy question Wednesday today, okay? All easy question, but you don't need to know the answers to win, and that phone number is 877-757-9424. First caller gets to be our contestant at 877-757-9424. That phone number is 877-757-9424. If you haven't called in a while, call back. It'd be fun to have you on the show. 877-757-9424. All right, here is the deal. Uh, We have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me. Uh, but just so you know, and please don't share this with anybody, okay? Just, just keep this between us, but I don't, I don't tell anybody this, but we like to be teaching here. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something new about your Catholic faith that you did not know before. Praise be to God. And then, of course, we like to have a laugh, and so we secretly have a good time with our callers. They laugh, and we laugh, and we enjoy that quite a bit. And then, of course, we give out prizes, and today's that day we give out the prizes, which makes it a winner for everybody involved. But if you're new here and you're just joining us, uh, I have these three trivia questions. I will not ask the caller. They don't have to know the answers. They could still win. I will ask Rudy. I will ask Adrian. One will be correct, and the other will be incorrect. The caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust? And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. And today we're going to give out that prize. Rudy, what could they win today? Well, our sponsor this week is Dennis Knapp, fellow Catholic and blogger. He's generously sponsoring the prize of a copy of J.R.R. Tolkien's letters book, as well as a box set of The Lord of the Rings. I mean, just imagine yourself watching this whole trilogy in one sitting. That's going to be amazing. He (laughs) says he's a huge fan of the Catholic author J.R.R. Tolkien. His letters offer an awesome insight into his Catholic faith and how his faith influenced the Lord of the Rings. Please check out Dennis's blog at patheos.com slash blogs slash the Latin rite. And rite is spelled R-I-G-H-T. The name is a play on the Latin rite combined with the perception of conservatism for the traditional Catholic values and beliefs. What I write reflects my commitment to the truth taught by the Catholic Church and therefore is perceived as conservative. David, thank you very much. Excuse me, Dennis. Dennis Knapp, thank you very much for being our sponsor. This yeah, week. praise God. Thank you, Dennis. By the way, phone lines blew up, so uh, God love you wow. all. Thank you all for calling in. Uh, we love it when you call. Praise be to God. If you don't get on today... Call back next week. I guess you guys are going to—I'm not going to be here, but you guys can play the game. So uh, Breaking news. Russia blew up our phone lines. 
Russia blew up our phone line. <laughs> Hashtag fake news. Don't go with that one. Don't go with that. One. All right, let's play. Uh, we're going to go to the phones here. Let's go to David. Good morning to you. Thanks for calling in our program. Good morning. Praise be to God, David. Where are you calling from? Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas on the board. Let's go. Now, wh- where do you go to church, David? Uh, we're currently attending uh, St. Francis Green. St. Francis, popular parish. I wonder if Adrian That's has anything to do with it. Uh, now, David, midnight mass or or Christmas morning? What's your preference? Uh, Christmas morning. Christmas morning. Okay. Praise be to God. We went to Christmas morning mass for many years. God is so good. Uh, all right. Are you familiar with the game? Do you know how the rules work? Yep. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Praise be to God. Well, we need a first-time caller sounder, Adrian. Do we have any? You want an hallelujah? Yeah. Let's give him an hallelujah. <laughs> you deserve it, David. Hallelujah. Thank you for thank you for calling for the first time. Praise be to God. All right, we're going to go to Rudy first, as is our custom. Rudy, are you ready? Yes, sir. Are you sure? Yes, sir. Are you sure? Yes. Yes. Rudy, can you tell me, must I go to Mass the Sunday after Christmas? Well, uh, Christmas falls on a Saturday this year, so technically it's the uh, you know the vigil mass. And uh, no, it? I'm going to say no. You don't have to go the next day. Are you sure? Yeah. Huh. Oh. Okay. Uh, let me just get a second opinion on this one. Okay. Uh, Adrian, can you tell me? That's me. <laughs> I'm Adrian. <laughs> and you were baptized wondering. at Francis Cambrini. Well. That's true. That's true. Uh, must I go to mass? Oh, the Sunday after Christmas? Of course you do. I mean, to this year it is on Saturday, just like Rudy said. Mm-hmm. But of course, uh, Christmas is a holy day of obligation. Okay. One of the two highest ones. Uh-huh. And you still have to go to Mass on the Sunday after. So you're saying they're separate. Yep. Christmas Unless is... Christmas lands on a Sunday, in which case you get a twofer. <laughs> but otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, any other day of the week. That's that's precise liturgical language. That's a, a precise, twofer. that's... Theological, technical language. Twofer. A twofer. Pretty sure that's Latin. But that is definitely not the case this year. So here's the question, uh, David. Uh, Adrian seems to think, yes, you have to go to Sunday Mass uh, after Christmas versus Rudy says, no, it should count. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? David, what say you? Well, we usually go to Mass the Sunday after Christmas. But you're saying right after the I'm going to go with Rudy. Are you sure? Okay. <laughs> oh, no! David, I'm so sorry, but in fact, Christmas Mass is a separate liturgy from Sunday Obligation Mass. And so even though it falls on a Saturday, you still have to go to Mass on Sunday. Uh, but hey, what, don't worry about it. Maybe next year there'll be a twofer. Who knows? Praise be to God. <laughs> All right, I still think there's a chance here to get you in this cup and possibly get you this prize. We're going to go to the uh, second question. We're going to go to Adrian. Adrian? That's dangerous. I love this next question. Me too. Uh, what? That music's a little loud. What day does the Christmas season end? What day Ooh. does the Christmas season end? Yes. Yes, that would be Candlemas. 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 Okay. Okay. Let's just see what uh, Rudy has day. to say. Rudy, can you tell me what day does the Christmas season end? 
You know, one time I heard that it's 50 days after the 25th, but I'm not sure about that. So I'm I like just going to say 11.59 p.m. on December 25th. On December the 25th. So at yeah. mid at, at one midnight. minute past midnight, you're saying yeah. Christmas is over. Pack up the lights. Go back yep. to normal. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay, here's the deal, David. Uh, when does Christmas end is the question. Rudy says midnight, December the 25th just like all your neighbors are going to do versus Adrian says it goes all the way to Candlemas. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? What say you, David? Adrian. <laughs> Survey says. Man, that's a good answer right yeah. there. Yeah. Adrian, and I like that answer. I think answer. Rudy made it to- Rudy made it too easy. Too easy, he says. Well, praise be to God. You're in the cup. You're in the cup, David. Every time I look at the uh, wise men uh, statue figures uh, parading around our house right now, I keep thinking of uh, the Toy Story and To Epiphany and Beyond keeps coming to mind. Uh, But at any rate, we're going to go to the third question now. Back to Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me? What does Christmas mean? What does it mean? That sounds like a sort of philosophical question. So does it? I think what it means is decorating as early as Advent. <laughs> That's my final answer. <clears throat> Sorry, just a little uh, morning sinuses it's here. The allergies. Did you yeah, say uh, decorating as early as Advent? Did you, is that what you just, you just said? That's that? my answer. That's yeah, I think it's the a philosophical question. You yeah. think? Okay. Hmm. Uh, Adrian, can you tell me what does Christmas mean? What does Christmas mean? Yes. Like the true meaning of Christmas um, or the word Christmas? Sure. How about the score of the word this okay, time? Okay, the word. The word Christmas means it comes from the word Christ and Mass. So the Mass of Christ. The Mass of Christ. Uh, wow, Rudy, you want to revise that or are you going with that? That's still your final answer. No, that's my final answer. Okay. David, here is the deal. Adrian says the word uh, Christmas means the Mass of Christ Versus Rudy seems to think it means decorating as early as Advent. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? What does Christmas mean? David, what say you? Uh, Rudy's making this confusing with the decorating word in there. Uh, I'll have to go with Adrian. I like that. Have to. Forced to. No, he gets to go with you Adrian. Have just like no you get choice. to go to Mass. <laughs> you are forced beyond your will to have to choose Adrian. I like this. This is good. Congratulations, you're in for two. We're going to draw a name. It may be you, David. It may not. I don't know. The winner is Morel. Morel from California. Hey, congratulations. congratulations. There you go. David, I'm sorry. It was not yet God's will for you to win, but call back. You might get another shot in a couple weeks from now. God love you, David. Thanks for being a good sport. And Merry Christmas to you and your family. Merry Christmas to you guys. Praise be to God. God love you. Thank you so much. All right, that is going to do it for the radio side. I am done until 2022, but the team will be back live on Monday. Tomorrow we've got a great show uh, pre-program with Dr. Michael Barber on the uh, true meaning of Christmas. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.
Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the Mass of December 22nd. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. O come of all the nations, King, the world awaits thy ransoming. Remove our hate and faithlessness. Unite us who thy name confess. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Let us acknowledge our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done, in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who seeing the human race fallen into death, will to redeem it by the coming of your only begotten Son, grant, we pray, that those who confess his incarnation with humble fervor may merit his company as their Redeemer, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. First book of Samuel. In those days, Hannah brought Samuel with her, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and presented him at the temple of the Lord in Shiloh. After the boy's father had sacrificed the young bull, Hannah, his mother, approached Eli and said, Pardon, my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood near you here, praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord granted my request. Now I, in turn, give him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be dedicated to the Lord. She left Samuel there. The word of the Lord. Thanks. Thanks be to God. My heart exults in the Lord my Savior. My heart. 
My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in my God. I have swallowed up my enemies. I rejoice in my victory. My heart exalts in the Lord my Savior. The bows of the mighty are broken, while the tottering gird on strength. The well-fed hire themselves out for bread, while the hungry batten on spoil. The barren wife bears seven sons, while the mother of many languishes. My heart exalts in the Lord my Savior. The Lord puts to death and gives life. He casts down to the netherworld. He raises up again. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He humbles. He also exalts. My heart exalts in the Lord my Savior. He raises the needy from the dust. From the dung heap he lifts up the poor to seat them with nobles and make a glorious throne their heritage. My heart exalts in the Lord my Savior. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. O King of all nations and Keystone of the Church, come and save man whom you form from the dust. Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked upon his lowly servant. From this day all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm, and has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones, and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary remained with Elizabeth about three months and then returned to her home. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. My mother's name is Anne. My name is Samuel, Father Samuel. And she identifies with this story very much because at one point in my own life I had strayed far away from God and she said, I don't know what to do with him, take him. She consecrated me to the Lord in the midst of the days of rebellious teenage years. And uh, I went back to the small town where I'm from in the Midwest with uh, wearing a, a habit of a religious uh, missionary priest. And a friend of mine who was still wearing what I used to wear in the old days, a, a leather jacket with a long ponytail, looked at me and said, what are you? And I said, I'm a Catholic priest. And he said, if you can become a priest, anybody can make it into heaven. <laughs> and the truth is, the, the theme for today of December 22nd in the church's liturgy, especially with the Magnificat, a hymn that is uh, modeled very much after the canticle of Hannah, which we read in the responsorial psalm, 
is that God takes greatness out of littleness. He takes out of uh, consecrated virginity of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Holy Redeemer, the most fruitful child, uh, the child who is also God. And it is out of humility that God brings profound magnanimity about profound redemption the, in the littlest and the humblest of places, the, the humblest heart of anyone, of any human person, was the immaculate heart of Mary. And that is the, the hymn of the Magnificat in the Gospel, is the hymn where we recognize that God takes glorious holiness out of littleness, littleness and nothingness. And that our way, therefore, following Mary's Magnificat, should not be so much as to, like a titan or some kind of um, proud champion, to set out to conquer our weakness, but more so as Mary would do to surrender our weakness humbly to God, to allow our littleness as the doctor of littleness, doctor of uh, the church, St. Therese, would, she said, my, my littleness, my misery, far from being an obstacle, is a catapult. It launches me into the mystery of God's infinite mercy. And that's what our littleness does. It launches us into the mystery of God's infinite greatness and holiness. So if you are discouraged by your littleness, if you are frustrated by whatever brokenness you see, either in yourself or in others or in the church or wherever you see it, understand that its intention by the Creator to permit such is to bring us into holiness, to bring us into communion with God, and so don't ever get frustrated with the littleness of your family or your community or think that be discouraged by such things. It's always a means of great holiness that we have to uh, turn that over to God. And the, the trick or the difficulty is that moment of turning, that moment of, uh, of really deeply allowing whatever it is that, that, uh, that the barrenness, that... Uh, you know, nothingness over to God. And uh, part where this happens par excellence is in the sacrament of confession. Did you know that the matter of the sacrament is the sin? You know, like in baptism, the matter is water. Or in the Eucharist, the matter is bread. The actual matter of the sacrament of confession is sin confessed. Doesn't that blow your mind? I mean, that's just, that's amazing that God would take the very thing that you think separates you from God and allow it through contrition, through sorrow for that sin, through confessing humbly before another human being who is, has the authority to forgive those sins, confessing that humbly actually is the act of bringing you into a deeper communion with God. The stone that was rejected by the builder has become the cornerstone. The very thing you thought where you were the most barren and the most disgusting before God has become the most glorious and the means of the most intimate communion with God. This is something to celebrate. This is something to praise God for. And so all of us today should have this Magnificat spirit in our hearts of deep, profound thanksgiving and praise of God, because in a few days, Jesus, our Lord, will be born of our barrenness once again. And Christ wants to be born into the church, into humanity in a new way. And boy, does he ever need to be born. So let our hearts be open as Mary's heart was open. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church, 
the church may shine forth in the spirit of Mary's Magnificat and praise God amidst our brokenness, amidst our neediness, our, our need for God's redemption. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our Holy Father, O bishops and priests, that they may find themselves surrendering themselves totally before the Lord. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our government leaders, that they may not be an obstacle to God, but allow gospel values to be born into culture. We pray in a special way for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor. We may recognize Jesus in his disguise of poverty and respond, especially in Christmas time. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And we pray for all of our beloved dead that they may enter the Father's glory. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask you to hear us for make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ. And through the powerful intercession of our Mother Mary's, we pray together. Hail Mary, full, full of grace, grace, the Lord, the Lord is with thee. Blessed, blessed art thou among, among women, and blessed, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mary Mother, Mother of God, God pray, pray for us sinners, sinners now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen. Creator of the stars of night, thy people's everlasting light, Jesus, Redeemer, save us all, and hear thy servants when they call. Thou grieving that the ancient curse should doom to death our universe, has found the healing full of grace to cure and save our ruined race. Thou camest the bridegroom of the bride, as true the world to eventide, the spotless victim all divine, proceeding from a virgin shrine. At whose dread name majestic now, All knees must bend, all hearts must bow, All things celestial be shalom, And things terrestrial, Lord, alone. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, Far good and the good of all his holy church. Trusting in your compassion, O Lord, we come eagerly with our offerings to your sacred altar, that through the purifying action of your grace we may be cleansed by the very mysteries we serve through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord, for all the oracles of the prophets foretold him. The Virgin Mother longed for him with love beyond all telling. John the Baptist sang of his coming and proclaimed his presence when he came. It is by his gift that already we rejoice at the mystery of his nativity, so that he may find us watchful in prayer and exultant in his praise. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Planis Uncelia Terra, Gloria Tua, 
You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy, and you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself, grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son, and filled with his Holy Spirit, and become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth. With your servant Francis, our Pope, Michael, our Bishop, the Order of Bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you have summoned before you in your compassion, O merciful Father. Gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory. Through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, 
in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Receptus solitaribus moniti, et divin institutione formati, audehemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, Panem nostrum quotidianum, da nobis odie, et emite nobis debita nostra, sicud et nos emitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed liberanos amahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days and by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other a sign of peace. Omnisei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Omnisei, qui tolis peccata mundi, Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Communion Antiphon my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, for the Almighty has done great things for me. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit exalts 
For he has looked with mercy on my lowliness, and my name will be forever exalted. For the mighty God has done great things for me, and his mercy will reach from age to age. And holy, holy, holy is his name. He has mercy in every generation. He has revealed his power and his glory. He has cast down the mighty in their arrogance and has lifted up the meek and the lowly. He has come to help his servant Israel. He remembers his promise to our fathers. And holy, holy, holy is his name. And holy, holy, holy is his name. Let us bring May reception of your sacraments strengthen us, O Lord, so that we may go out to meet our Savior with worthy deeds when he comes, and merit the rewards of the blessed through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. On Jordan's bank the Baptist cry announces that the Lord is nigh. Awake and hearken, for he brings glad tidings of the King of kings. Then cleanse be every life from sin, make straight the way for God within. And let us all our hearts prepare for Christ to come and enter there. We hail you as our Savior, Lord, our refuge and our great reward. Without your grace we waste away like flowers that wither and decay. Stretch forth your hand, our health restore, and make us rise to fall no more. 
prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Spreading the splendor of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Is a 